So we're in this series called Simple, and the idea is this, that Christianity is the most complex, simple thing ever. Um, we make it into this huge deal, and it's very complex, and the scripture says that there's mysteries of God that we'll never know until we're in eternity, so we're with him. And so um, definitely I'm not scaling it back to a thing that says just, oh, it's simple. You know, like, God, everything's simple, and you can figure it out and calculate it. You never will. But the idea of coming to God, maybe as a broken person or someone who's been away or someone who doesn't get it or whatever, all the steps of God, whether it be prayer or worship or coming to God and being in relationship with God can be a very simple thing. I think we overcomplicate it with like tradition sometimes or rules or how we've always done it. And we just get away from the idea that we have a God who loves you. And created you to be with you and sent his son to die so that he could be even more in relationship with you. And so it's simple. You have a God who just, he's for you. He loves you. He's with you. And uh, we don't need to overcomplicate that idea with some of the, like I said, either traditions or rules. And so, yes, the scripture is full of commands for our life. People always say, oh, Christianity is so full of rules and whatever. Um, It's not full of rules. Like, he just loves to be an angry God up there holding you to rules. It's uh, the Bible has more promises for your life than it has rules. And the way that the rules work in Scripture are like this. I would say it like this. You've heard me use this analogy. Uh, If you came over to my house and you were house-sitting and I was like, hey, whatever you want, in the fridge or in the cupboards, whatever you want to eat, eat it. You know, get into whatever you want. But whatever you do, don't drink that poison that I have in the fridge. You can have whatever you want, just don't drink that poison. That would be a bad idea. So don't drink the poison. Instead, have everything else. And that's how Jesus says it. That's how his teachings were. That's how God laid out the laws and principles of this world. He said, hey, uh, you can do all these things. I, I give you promises and principles, and I give you that if you do this, you'll be blessed this way. If you do this, you'll do this. But he, there are times in Scripture where he says, but you don't want to do that. Because if you do that, it won't be good for you. It's better if you do this instead. And so the rules things aren't like, oh, I just want to be an angry God who holds you back from having fun. No, it, it's, it's a way that says, hey, there's a better way to live because that is not the way to live. Somebody say amen. So God is for you. He's for you. It's simple. He's very for you. Uh, but there's things that are simple truths that I think we overcomplicate. Paul said um, in a lot of his teachings, he would start his letters. He would say, hey, it's good that I remind you of these things. And so it's simple. We're going to talk about some of the simple basics of Christianity uh, or being a Christ follower. And, and it's good that, hey, yeah, I've sort of heard that concept before. Or I knew that or whatever. Uh, just like Paul said, it's good that we be reminded of these things. Uh, I believe, and we heard a leadership talk uh, quite often, that says the largest gap in the world is between what we know to do and what we actually do. Uh, so it's good that we talk about things again and again and again. Uh, why? Because there's a huge difference between what we know to do and what we actually do. And so today I want to take one simple thought out of Scripture, and uh, and we'll just play with it all the way through for the next 20 minutes. Um, But the idea here is this. I believe everything God wants to do in your life comes through one simple thought, and it's stewardship. It's stewardship. The Scripture flat out says uh, that when you're faithful in the little, God will make you ruler over much. So any time you want to promote, any time you want to grow in God, any time you want to advance in life, you have to stop and take a look at every area of your life, and you have to say, um, have I stewarded this well? Like, have I done a good job? Have I kept? And, and, and somebody say, well, what does that mean to steward? Does that mean I just hold back and make sure I play safe? No, because we know the whole story in Scripture where he calls uh, the, the parable of the talents, and he says, you wicked and lazy, lazy servant, you haven't done anything with what I've given you. Um, and so it's about taking care of and, and being a good steward. And you know what I'm talking about. 
of what God is giving you. It's maximizing your best um, in God. And so we're talking about stewardship. And so Genesis 22, we're going to read 18 verses. It's a story probably a lot of you know. But we're going to take a look at the idea of stewardship here and, 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 and having being all in with God. Genesis 22, one, uh, verses 1 through 18. It says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. The top of my Bible, the header above the chapter says, God tested Abraham. I know a lot of us don't even like this idea in terms of like a theology uh, that God tests us. You say, oh, wait a minute, does God make bad things happen to me? It's not what I'm talking about. God tests us or God challenges us. Or, uh, because anytime you talk about stewardship or if you're faithful in little, he'll make you faithful over much. You'll see that he checks in to see where we're at on things. And so uh, Genesis um, 22, again, so again, sometime later, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied, verse 2, then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. So literally talking about sacrificing his son, verse 3, early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey and took him and took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. On the third, uh, on the third day, Abraham, lo- Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkeys while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Verse 6, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire. Uh, carried the wood for the fire and the knife. As the two went up together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Awkward, right? He's starting to catch on. Verse 8, Abraham answered, God himself will provide a lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went together. Verse 9, when they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on top of it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood, and he reached out his hand and took a knife to slay him. But the angel of the Lord called out to him and said, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. And then verse 12, he said, do not lay a hand on the boy. He said, do not do anything to him. Now that I know that you fear God, that was a test. Now that I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Verse 13, Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by his, thorn, his horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide, and, this, and to this day the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Verse 15, Uh, The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and not withheld your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, in the sky, in the sand on the seashore. Your descendants, descendants will take possession of the cities and their enemies. And through you, your offspring and nations will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Okay, there's a lot there and I'll break it down. Uh, Not like scripture by scripture. Here's the idea. God calls him, gives him a word, calls him into something, and it's Abraham's choice at this point to go all in. Obviously, this is the biggest sacrifice you could ask him to make. If you remember the scripture here, uh, miraculously, they had their son Isaac. You remember they, had, uh, a, remember they, they couldn't get pregnant, they were old of their age. Miraculously, they were given this miracle son named Isaac. They already had a son. If you read the scripture, uh, it says your only son whom you love, but if you remember, they had Ishmael before they had Isaac, but he wasn't 
the blessed son. He was the problem child and, and ran off to the wilderness. And so uh, they're saying the one you love. So this was the biggest sacrifice. I mean, Isaac was a prized possession. It was his son, his only son, whom he loved. And so uh, he's asking him to do the most, like paying the price type thing. And I believe this, we are living in a time right now where God is looking for people who he can trust. I think that we are done with um, enough TV preacher jokers who are in the business of Christianity. Uh, I think that God is probably done with the Christian hippie movement. And by that, I mean a lot of people who always talk about how I'm going to change the world and I'm going to build orphanage everywhere and I'm going to rescue the homeless and I'm going to do all these things. And they don't do anything every day. They actually live more like the world than they do any of these big aspirations and dreams. And they're out in these la-la lands of what they're going to do for God. And they're telling people, oh, I'm starting this thing and we're going to take over the world. God gave three million angels came into my room and carried me over to this thing. And, they get, and then they don't do anything. Uh, I think those channels and blogs and things uh, are falling on deaf ears as well because God is looking for some people that he can trust to go out and do his work. I think the idea of Christians who are into building churches uh, only to gather more money and not change their community, I think God is done with those people. He's looking for people who he can trust. I think God is done with people who are in the business of church because they love to keep the rules. They love to build classes and programs that make sure people keep the rules and stay in the box. And I think those days are done too. Somebody say amen. Amen. And God is looking for some people who he can trust to change a community and change their household and raise up a generation that loves and fears God. Amen. And you say, well, I don't know about this. God is choosing some and choosing others. There's qualifications to being called by God. And I'm not talking about Bible degrees. The scripture says this in Luke 1. It says that Mary was chosen by God. Well, to use the word chosen means that there was other people in the running, right? If he chose her, that means that there was a time where God was considering something else, a different way. But there was something about Mary that, uh, that God found worthy or God found acceptable. And so the greatest thing that he could entrust to mankind, he trusted to a teenage girl named Mary. And so I believe that, that you can be chosen. Uh, we know that about, about Abraham. Uh, God looked at him and, and, and blessed him and, and, and gave him his son. But then he trusted him. He gave him this call to go up the mountain. And so God wanted to be, this is the first time in scripture in terms of this name being used. Uh, He said, this will be the mountain called where God will provide us. The first time in scripture where God's name, Jehovah Jireh, our provider, is shown. Uh, One of the names of God, Jehovah Jireh, meaning our provider. And so God wanted to send a message to mankind through Abraham by saying, if you can trust me with your life and with your most precious thing, I can then come in behind you or alongside you and be the God who provides for you. Somebody say amen. But it takes us being all in. It takes us being willing to take our prized possession or the thing that we love and say, God, I trust you with all of it. I'm not talking about sacrificing our kids or any of that. I'm talking about your life, how you live, the things that you find comfort or security in, being willing to say, God, it's all yours, not mine, and and I trust you to lead me in what you've called me to do, amen? So check this out. He calls him up the mountain, and I believe it's this. Why would you bless him with a son and give him this huge blessing and then later ask him for it? 
What a sick God, in a way, if you just read this scripture. God, we had the season where you blessed me and advanced me, and now you're calling me to do something different. You're calling me to take it away. And I believe God does this to us often. I believe that there's a lot of times when God challenges or tests us because he wants to see, do we love him or do we love what he provides for us? Are we in relationship with him? Do we come here and do we worship and do we sing and do we lay down our lives because of our relationship and who he is? Or is it because of the things that he gives to us? Uh, I think about it at church. Uh, how is our attitude when we come to church and they don't preach the way we want them to or, or, or the message isn't the message we want to hear or they don't sing the songs we want them to sing or you don't get that chill bump that week or whatever. Then you go home all in your attitude like, well, that church, I don't know. Can you believe that they did that or they sang that way or that can you believe that he did this or did that? And we get all this critical scorecard going, well, wait a second. It, isn't it about like God and not what the God time does for us? She's like, I don't know what you're trying to say. What, what I'm trying to say is this. We come to church. What am I going to get out of church now? How is God going to bless me this morning? How am I going to get my chill bump? Versus coming to church and saying, God, how can I bless you this morning? I, let's put it all away one Sunday and just come here and do nothing and let's just bless God. Amen, right? Like, who's with me? So I, my thing is, uh, in this, a lot of times I feel like we have this sort of up and down with God because I think there's just this little bit of, like, push, and we don't like to hear it. We don't like to even talk about it. It's sort of uncomfortable to our theology of uh, God doesn't make bad things happen to you. But I think sometimes we go through seasons where we've walked off the path and it's because we've gotten too much in love with the blessing instead of the blesser. Amen? And so it's, it's important for us to keep our eyes on God. And so at this time in Scripture, it was a very heathen society. Uh, obviously, no Bible, no churches, no Jesus yet. And at this time in culture, they were actually sacrificing their firstborn. Uh, it was something that took place. They were given up of their firstborn. They were, some were actually burning them. And... Uh, I thought about this instruction to Abraham. Could it have been a challenge like this that said, I see how much the world or the heathens are willing to offer in their lives unto their gods or whatever. I wonder how much you're willing to do, Abraham. If the world is willing to give that much, how much are you willing to give? I thought about this yesterday. As you sort of look around life, could it be that God's doing the same thing in our society? Could it be that he looks in, Yesterday, I was at the Michigan game, so I think they said about 107,000 people there. Um, so just crazy people everywhere screaming and wearing their gear and just doing it. And I was a part of it. I'm all of that. I love that. Uh, go with my brother and my friends. We do it every year. Uh, that's great. But I just wonder if God does the same thing, looks down into our stadiums or looks down into some of our things and says, boy, I see how much passion they're given to their gods. I see how much passion they're given to their things of the world and takes a look into the church and says, boy, I wish that they would give that same kind of passion to the cause of God in, in, in our community or the cause of God in our lives. Or we see businessmen working hard with their resources to grow their business and to advance to the next level. I wonder if God looks into the businesses and says, man, I, I, I wish that my people would follow and give and invest as much into the cause of Christ here on earth as they do the business. Amen? I think it's the same thing here as Abraham. I think we say it, uh, we still see it. So I love this. God said... Take your son, your only son, whom you've loved, whom you love. And I mentioned this a minute ago. He actually had two sons at the time. Uh, he had the problem child, the Ishmael child, but then he had the son, which he points out, whom you love. 
isn't it interesting that God knew about Abraham if he just said, go get your son and make a sacrifice to me? Wouldn't we have run and got the second best for God? Right? Uh, he wouldn't have gone and got the best for God. He would have run and got the second best for God. And I wonder about our lives if we're that same way too. God calls us into something. God challenges us into something. We say, okay, well, let me take a look at my schedule. Let me take a look at my thing. Let me take a look at resources. Let me look at my time. Well, I guess I can give him a little, that, a little bit of that because, you know, I don't really do much with that time. You know, Thursday nights, I don't do much with that. So I guess I could give him that one instead of looking at your week and saying, where's the best that I could give to God? Or in our resources, where's the best that I could give to God? Or in my prayer time, well, you know, I got that little two minutes on the way to work, or I got the thing, oh, well, you know, I, I shower, and so I can give him like three minutes in the shower, I'll pray. No, where's your best time that you can either start your day or end your day, uh, whatever it is, uh, however it goes. Let's, let's not just run and give our Ishmael. Let's run and give our best because God is looking to advance you and be the provider in your life. But at first, he's He's testing, I believe, to see, are you willing to go all in? Are you willing to give your best? Are you willing to wholeheartedly trust him? Amen? Is this okay? I thought about it like this. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus, uh, the fishermen, they had just got done fishing, some of the disciples, and uh, they got done cleaning up all their nets in Luke chapter 5. Uh, yeah, Luke 5. So they get all done. They're all cleaned up. How many know fishing is a tough thing? They're probably out in the sun all day, and Jesus walks up, and, and they didn't catch any fish. So Jesus walks up and says, hey, guys, go do it again. So they clean the nets, and they're all nasty, and da-da-da-da-da. And so he says, hey, go, go back out there and cast your nets, plural. And the Scripture says that they only cast one net. And so the Scripture says they go out, and they only cast one net, and they catch so much fish that it begins to rip and ruin the nets. I thought about it like this. Isn't that us? God will challenge us, or we'll have something come into our life, and God will specifically say, hey, why don't you go do that? Or I'm calling you to trust me in this. And we'll say, well, you know, I've really been hurt. You know, I took all that effort to clean that and fold that and put that over there. So it'd be a lot of work for me to get that back out. So I'm just going to stay over here in my hurt. And God will understand that I don't want to give the full effort and fully surrender. So I'll just stay here. Anybody with me? Well, God knows that, you know, financially, you know, our family, we're not rich. And so, you know, we don't really want to trust him fully with our finances and fully open all the nets. And so uh, we don't want to give to better our community. We don't want to help the hurting. We will just hold for ourselves and we don't want to unfold all those nets. And the problem that happened here is they decided how obedient they were going to be to God. And when they went out, it ended up worse for them. They lost a net. Here they were just trying to keep a net clean. And when they disobeyed God, they ended up losing a net. Somebody say amen. I think that happens often in our lives when we decide how we're going to obey God. It ends up doing more damage in the long run versus if we just fully obeyed in the beginning. Amen? Isn't it funny how we put labels on our disobedience? We get really sophisticated. We say, like, God calls us into something, and uh, we know we're supposed to fully surrender. We know we're full, full, supposed to be full on, trusting him. And uh, so God gives them a specific, go do both nets. You throw in both nets. And then we get really sophisticated. Well, I'm going to do both nets. And I'm sure the fisherman had great excuses. Well, you know, Jesus, you know, this net isn't from Bass Pro Shop. And so, like, it's not going to do good going out twice. So I know you're God, but I'm going to handle this on my own. And uh, so we say, well, I'm not in a season right now to serve, or I'm not in a good place to be able. And so we run back to our way of thinking and our way of solving and our way of fixing instead of just going with what God told us in the first place. Amen? Yes or no? <laughs> you guys are awesome. 
So if we don't fully obey God, I just wrote it down this way. Sometimes if we don't fully obey God, it costs us more in the end. Well, it does every time. If we don't fully obey, if we don't fully trust. That's why I love that song called Oceans. It just says like, God, take me out into the deep where I know I can't walk, I can't touch, I can't swim. But that's where God becomes captain or leader or Lord. It's all up to him at that point. Uh, I love this. The scripture says, that's why the scripture says that we are to worship him in spirit and in truth. All in. All in. If we want promotion, if we want God to show up like he did for Abraham and become our provider and our resource, you have to go all in. You have to lay it all in. God said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So the redeemed of the Lord say so. So when God's moved on your behalf, when he's called you into something, that's what you speak. You say, God, you've called me into this surrender. You call me (coughs) into this place to trust you. That's what I'm saying. God, it's you. It's you who's called me this. It's you who I trust. It's you who I believe is Lord of my life. And then the rest falls into place. And I know it's hard. I know it like this isn't like great amen material. Like maybe next week I'll come here and do your, your best steps to your most fruitful life. Amen. Glory. God's going to give you a Lamborghini. And it's like going to have a license plate that says blessings or like whatever. Uh, and that stuff happens, you know, like I believe in that. But here's what I also believe. We can't afford to hold back. We have to go all in. It's easy for me to fast or give up, go on a diet from asparagus, right? But when I'm at the Wolverines game and like there's hot dogs everywhere and nachos dripping on the back from the guy behind me, I'm like, yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> some nachos. I'm not allowed to have those. Thank you, Lord, for dropping those nachos on me. It's easy to sacrifice stuff that doesn't matter, but to go all in to climb that mountain and say, God, I fully trust you. Literally, he's saying to his son up the mountain, God's going to do it because it's God's problem. I'm just being obedient. I'm climbing this mountain. God will provide what needs to be provided. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to work out. (coughs) But it always does. Just always does. And that's why he's God. And we're not, right? And like, that's why I'm a Christ follower. It's because I don't want it to be up to me. I want the crap to hit the fan and me go, hey, and sorry if that offends you. I'm not sorry at all, actually. So, because uh, <laughs> you talk worse than that when you go home. So, um, but when it hits the fan, I don't want to call my friend who's going to just say, oh, yeah, isn't that awful? I can't believe that happened to you. They're the worst. Da, da, da. I want to run to God and say, like, God, how much more can I lay at your feet? Because you're God and I'm not. And I trust you wholly. That when I lay down everything, that's the time where you can step in and be Jehovah Jireh in my life. Amen. I thought about Noah. Scripture says that he calls Noah to build an ark. They've never seen rain. They've never seen rain. Hey, you're going to need you to build this ark because there's going to be so much water that comes from the sky. It's going to flood the whole earth, and you're going to have to float in a boat. He's like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? But the scripture says this about him, Genesis 6. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. He was someone God could trust. So he made a way for him to survive and live and thrive and do an incredible thing. When we live, and I'm not saying we have to live perfect, I'm saying we have to live in a way that we're saying, God, I'm surrendered to you. I fully trust you. And then God comes in and makes a way for you to make it and last and thrive in this community. Amen? Jason, won't you come play?
I'm going to close with a couple thoughts here. We take a look at the world, and you just look at everything overseas, and you look at just all the things that take place in our world that are dark and heavy and frustrating and sad. And you just go, God, where are you? How is this going to, what, what are we going to do? And I believe if we can become a people that are fully surrendered in every area of our life, even when it hurts, even when it's frustrating, even when it seems unfair. Think about all those years for Noah. He's out there building, building, people walking by and making fun of him. Look at this guy, he's building that boat for this thing, rain that doesn't exist. Think about Abraham crawling up the mountain. God, you gave me my son. Think about that conversation. You gave me my son. Now you're taking it from me. What kind of God are you? Just trusted God, trusted God, trusted God up the mountain. Went all the way with God, and then God came alongside him and provided what he needed. Do you want to see breakthrough in your situation? Do you want to see God come through? Do you want to see him come alongside and be the, the provider in your life? You have to be the person who goes all the way with God. I fully trust you. I'm not going to look back. I'm not going to look ahead like, oh, if I only had that, then I'd be happy. Or if that wouldn't have happened to me, then I'd be happy. If you just fully look at God and say, God, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. You're calling me. You're leading me. You're God, and I'm not. Then I believe God can step in and make a way when there seems to be no way. Amen? The scripture says that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The scripture says that by actions, our actions by him are weighed. Meaning that God is looking for us to live a certain way so he can intervene and bless and give. and give. He won't overtake you. That's just not how it works. He would have jumped in and bailed out Adam and Eve, but, but he wants us to be a people committed to him, giving him the channel to be able to step in. And in closing, this is what I really want you to hear. The scripture says about him that he staggered up the mountain. One writer, they were talking to the commentaries, how he, it was a three-day thing. They were gone. And I love this. It just staggered his way up the mountain. And that's okay. That's what I want you to know. <coughs> Stagger away. If that's what it takes for you to crawl, to just, to just, just keep going. But don't make excuses. Don't justify why you're not fully trusting. Don't justify why you're not fully obedient. Well, the nets, they're not ready. Well, the thing, just, just keep staggering. Make your way up there. It's hard. If you got to crawl, whatever you got to do, stagger your way up there. The scripture says about Gideon that he was faint, but he was pursuing the enemy. He was faint. He was feeling tired, but he was still pursuing. Scripture says that when we're weak, he's strong. It's okay to be in a place that you say, man, I just feel weak but you're still trusting God and you're talking right and you're living right. Your eyes are on him. You're not making excuses or justifying. You're just keeping your eyes on him. We're not faint and making excuses. We're faint and we're pursuing what God has for us. Scripture says that he took the knife up there with him. The knife symbolifies the cutting away of flesh. Like we sang about here, those things in our life that are fleshly desires, bad habits, anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, all those things. We got to cut those things away so that God can be someone who can step in and, and provide. I love this. Why the roller coaster? You know, why is it sometimes up with God, down with God? Why is it, why does it feel like there's seasons of, of up and down and he's with us. And then some days it feels like he's not with us. Some days, why that? I feel like it's like this and I could throw out some scripture to justify it, but I feel like it's like this. 
your best. <laughs> if I were to pull this room, your best, like family time or, or marriage time or relationship time, a lot of the times you say, we're like, oh, that's where we really bonded. That's where we really got it. That's where we had a really breakthrough. That's where a lot of those times actually come through the struggle. Wouldn't you agree? You can look back and say like, oh, we made it through that with God. We can make it through anything. Like, oh, God took us through that. We can go through this. Like this, this everybody says that the struggle makes you stronger, whatever. So that's why I feel like sometimes God doesn't give us space, and I'm not going to get into weird theology like that, but sometimes I feel like we do have this space because then we go through this thing and God allows us to go through this thing and then we draw more near to him and it makes that relationship with God stronger. Just like with our marriage, just like with our kids, you, you overcome something together and you're just stronger after the fact. Sometimes you don't know how strong the anchor until you have to go through the storm, amen? And I feel like that's sometimes how it works with God. And again, I'm not, oh, God's the God who sends bad things so we can get closer to him. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I'm saying is when we're fully devoted and we're all in and he sees that, he's near. The scripture says that he's, he's ever present in the time of trouble. Uh, he's just near. And uh, what I love about this in closing is this. And this is the hard part. The scripture said this, I read it to you, that early in the morning uh, he, he left and he headed up the mountain. But he said to his servants who he took with him, hey, you guys stay down here. So the helpers or the aid or... Uh, the people who might have made it a little bit easier or taken the pressure off. Uh, he said, hey, you guys got to stay back on this one. And I'm all for community. That's why we started a church and a fellowship of believers where we can encourage each other. And there's times where you need people. But there's also times where you got to go up that mountain alone. Just you and God. And I think a lot of times stuff happens in our life and we're quick to call somebody or we're quick to, and that stuff is good. But if you stop there, after you call your mom or after you call your friend or after you do anything, and you don't ever go to God, you don't ever stagger up that mountain yourself with God, you're going to miss him being your provider because you put your trust in the counselor or the friend or somebody else's advice or whatever. Sometimes we have to go alone, leave behind and get it with God alone. Amen? Why don't you stand to your feet? I know I ran a little bit over, but the heart, my heart, obviously, as you all see, is just very for, like, this idea. If we can be the people who don't play church or go through the motions or compromise with all of the excuses or however we can back out of our situation or call our disobedience something intelligent, if we can stop doing that, God will be right there to provide what you need. I'm so sick of people sacrificing and surrendering God's blessing because they want to put excuses on their life. Somebody say amen. It's ridiculous. And so that's what I want to do is just pray that we, God help us see that. That, hey, we have these precious things in our life that we've either built or God's blessed us with, but we don't want them to be God. We don't want them to be our idol. We want to pursue the blesser and not the blessing. So for whatever habit we have or poor thinking or uh, maybe you just don't feel qualified or whatever it is, 
And I could list a whole bunch of things where I'm off base. So all of us together as a community here, whether you're first time here or not, it's fine. We're all in it for the same thing. So I just want us to just leave here with some of that stuff not with us anymore. You know, we would say leave it at the altar, but you don't have to come to the front. Just leave it in your chair. Whatever the poor thinking or whatever the, we're going to go alone with God. We're going to stagger up the mountain right now. And uh, whatever doubts and fears and insecurities, frustrations, bitterness, unforgiveness, anger, self-doubt, all those things, we're going to lay down. And we're going to stop making excuses and we're going to fully obey God. We're going to cast both nets. And we're going to stagger our way up to the mountain and it'll be the place that God provides. And God meets you there. Because it's like we sang this morning, we're not the difference maker. He's the difference maker. And he'll make a way when there seems to be no way. Amen? So grab that thing that you're believing for in your mind, just in your heart. Just grab it. And we're going to ask God to do a miracle. Some of you may have a big thing, and like God's into the big thing business. Some of you might be a little thing that you just want to, but whatever it is this morning, God can make a way when there seems to be no way. God, we love you. We fully surrender every place in our life, in our heart, in our thinking to you. Lord, we know what you've called us to do. We all know what you're leading. We all have the thing that you're leading us in. And Lord, we're just asking right now that you give us the boldness to climb the mountain, to put aside the distractions. We don't want to be excuse makers. We don't want to be compromisers. We don't want to run to people that are just going to pat us on the back and give us more excuses. God, we want to run to you with everything. Lord, we want to be the people that you look down and say, I can choose them. I can use them. I can do. Lord, we want to be those people that are found in us are found pure hearts, clean hands, people who can be used. Lord, we ask for forgiveness. Like, let that connect. I think for some of us, that's hard to say. Just like we sang. So we, we like to think we're the difference maker. But for some of us, we've not fully trusted God. This morning, you can just go before, it's called the throne of grace. You can just go to God full of grace, who's full of grace. Say, God, forgive me for where I've compromised, where I haven't thrown both nets and fully listened to you. God, we, we, we trust. And we're, and we're sorry and we repent. We say, use us in a way that makes our communities better, our homes better. Or we don't want to, we don't want to be the people who run around and say we're going to change the world. We want to run around and say, God, just start with us. Change us. Make us better. Make our homes better. We know in doing that, that'll change the world. Lord, every situation in this room, you see and you know, and you have a plan for. God, we trust you. We want to be obedient to you. And Lord, we ask that you meet us where we're at. You be the God who provides. You provide for us. Come alongside us. Make a way where there seems to be no way. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.